I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, the reopening of San Francisco's Trans Bay Transit Center. Today, in the heart of the city, our version of Grand Central, which includes a rooftop park, opens after it was shut down over cracks that were found in its support beams. The center opened last August, only to close in 44 days. We're going to get an update from reporter Michael Cabanatuan. We'll find out when bus service will resume inside the center. We'll talk about the retail going in. And we'll ask if we should ever expect Caltrain and high-speed rail to arrive in the basement. Michael Cabanatuan, right after this. Michael Cabanatuan, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. It's good to be back. So, Mike, today we're talking about the Transbay Transit Center in downtown San Francisco, something that probably everyone should be familiar with by now, except for the fact that it closed right after it opened, so a lot of people haven't seen it. Uh, or or been in it. Um, or been in it. Have you been in it? <laughs> I've been in it before it was officially opened and after it was officially closed, but not when it was in use. I got it. Okay. So why don't you take us back? Why was this uh, project so anticipated? And then what happened after it opened? Across the country, all kinds of cities, metropolitan areas are building big public transit hubs. Uh, You know, it all kind of started with uh, New York City and Grand Central Terminal, Grand Central Station, whatever you prefer to call it. Um, Most other cities have something like this, too. And the idea in San Francisco was that this would be our Grand Central Station. Some of the officials actually used that terminology. But the idea is that we would have high-speed rail, and a downtown Caltrain extension that would go into the basement. And then we would have Golden Gate Transit, Muni, and AC Transit running buses that would go into the third deck. We'd also have retail throughout the building, restaurants, and a rooftop park. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's more than just a transit hub, right? I mean, we've got, you've got this bus terminal that has direct access to and from the Bay Bridge, which, is, which can save you a lot of time. Right. Um, you've got this aspirational basement, right, where you might have high-speed rail, possibly, and, and Caltrain. <laughs> and then this park, which is which is really special. I actually um, was able to get there right after it opened, and it was it was spectacular. Um, so, what happened to close it down? Well, on September twenty fifth sometime kind of around midday, they were putting some of the finishing touches on the place, you know, ceiling tiles, uh, things like that. And a construction worker putting up ceiling tiles noticed that there was a crack in a beam. He obviously said, gee, I don't think this is supposed to be here. And not just any beam, but... Uh, This is a major steel girder, uh, one of the big beams, one of the big pieces of structural steel that holds up the transit center where it crosses Fremont Street. Okay. And then what happened? Uh, They took a look at it and they immediately closed down the building. They evacuated people and they moved the buses and the people trying to catch buses about a block away to where the temporary Transbay terminal was fenced off. But but still there and available for use, and it's been being used ever since. Yeah, no, I remember that day. Phil Mateer here broke the story that it was shutting down. We couldn't believe it. We were, I remember reporters were hustling over there, and um, you know, we couldn't believe it in it. So they shut it down. They didn't think it was safe, correct? 
Right. They said, look, we don't know what the extent of the damage is. We're going to shut it down. And at the time, there was just one crack, but they did more inspections and they found a second crack in one of the girders over Fremont Street. Wow. Um, they also inspected First Street, which has similar construction, and they didn't find any cracks in the girders there, but they were still concerned about First Street. So what's happened since with the cracks? How have they fixed them? Well, the first thing they did was get in there and inspect them. And, you know, they did everything from sort of peeling away the fireproofing and and looking at them and bringing in people to examine them to taking uh, taking tests, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what they call non-destructive testing, where you basically kind of, you know, use uh, different kinds of devices to kind of look at the steel and measure the integrity of the steel. They also brought in a laboratory from New York, a metallurgical lab known as LPI, and they took chunks out of the steel. They did basically destructive testing. They took chunks out of the steel and brought it back to New York to find out what went wrong. And what did? Uh, It's very complicated, but basically what happened was there was... During the process of welding and using torches to cut holes in some of the beams, access holes, uh, it weakened portions of the steel that developed what they call micro cracks. And usually you try to polish or smooth or grind down those cracks. And for some reason that wasn't done and that led to the larger cracks. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong. They said that the the cracking of these big beams did not mess up the whole structure, did not cause part, other parts of it um, to weaken or to be damaged. Um, that's correct. They did, after they, uh, you know, did the inspections to find out what went wrong with this, the beams, what caused the specific damage, they looked to see whether, you know, gee, that's put a lot of stresses on other parts of the building. Did that damage anything else? And the answer was no, it didn't. Uh, they went beyond that to look at where are there other places in the building that have similar types of welds or connections. And they looked over, they identified, I think, 175 places. They looked at a lot of those welds. Uh, by stripping away the fireproofing. They also looked over the paperwork, uh, I think something like 15,000 documents, in order to see whether they had proper inspections, uh, whether they were done, uh, welded in the proper way, that sort of thing. Okay. And I'm sure a lot of people always want to know, what is this costing me? What is this costing taxpayers? Uh, You know, nothing yet. Uh, The total so far, I believe, is something around $6 million for the testing and so on. But the idea, especially if you ask the people at the Transbay Joint Powers Authority, is that uh, whoever's responsible will pay for that. Um, They don't know yet whether it's the steel contractor, building inspectors, or who. All right, Mike, let's get to today. Uh, What is happening at the transit center today? A lot of people have been anxiously awaiting using it. Well, today it opens. Uh, The building opens. The park opens. There will be no buses coming to it, at least not for a couple of weeks. Um, Starting on July 13th, uh, Muni buses and Golden Gate Transit buses will pull up in this driveway that's on the ground floor right just north of the transit center. Um, Sometime in August, Possibly as early as August 12th, AC Transit and some of the other Transbay bus commuters, also Greyhound, will start using the bus ramp and the transit center. But no date has been set yet for that. 
Okay, so when people listen to this podcast, they'll be able to go there. They'll be able to get in. They'll be able to get up to the rooftop park. Yeah, that's right. They can either take the elevators or the stairways, or they'll be able to use the uh, gondola that the developers of Salesforce Tower are providing, <laughs> which goes from this <laughs> plaza outside up to the top. It's sort of a little funky little thing. It's but, very uh, strange. I, I, I still don't <laughs> quite understand why we need to use a gondola to get up a couple of floors. I'm not sure either, but I'm sure it will be very popular. And, and people may recall that um, there's an, an interesting sort of art element that when buses pass, water shoots up into the air. I guess that will probably have to wait for the buses to come to come through. I, you know, I was wondering about that, too. Uh, you know, since uh, it's supposed to be triggered by buses going over some sensors, I don't know if maybe somebody will, uh, you know, reorganize the pattern or, you know, set it off the uh, algorithm off automatically, jump up and down every now and then. Okay. What what else is coming there? Um, there's retail. How's that going? Um, apparently, the retail is going relatively well. Um, some of it should open later this year. On the ground floor is going to be where a lot of the retail is located. And there are two Phil's Coffees. There's an empanada store, um, I believe a Thai restaurant. I think uh, Eddie Rickenbacker's is going to move its bar there. Um, those are just a few of the businesses that have signed leases already. Um, some work is being done, you know, some of the preparatory work on some of the businesses. Up on the second floor, there's going to be a uh, basically a gym, a place called Fitness SF. Um, there's also going to be a place called Onsite Dental, which a dental company. And they're, they just approved the signing of a lease with Kaiser, which is going to put some uh, some medical offices and exam rooms there. Okay. All right. And last question, Mike, can we ever expect to see Caltrain or high-speed rail in that basement? You know, everybody hopes so. They have the plans, they have the desire, but they don't have the money yet. Uh, it's all a matter of uh, finding the money. They've cleared out room down at, you know, they excavated the basement. They built a foundation that uh, can handle the trains. There's room for platforms and trains, and they're just waiting for them to arrive. Okay. And obviously, we're closer on Caltrain, which at least is in the city, whereas high-speed rail, we don't know if it'll even ever get out of the Central Valley. Right. Well, high-speed rail, when it hits San Jose, the idea is if that it, it hits would— San Jose. Yeah, if it hits San Jose, <laughs> <laughs> is that it would start using the Caltrain tracks. It would okay. share them in, in some form. And Caltrain is in the process of electrifying its, its whole railroad. So, uh, you know, they're ahead of the game. But uh, yeah, they could arrive sooner. Okay. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming in again. You're welcome. Thanks to reporter Michael Cabanatuan for being here. Thanks to Libby Coleman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.